Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. With the Super Bowl now over, we are officially in the offseason mode around the league, and the Raiders managed to make a couple of headlines this week, so I'll go over that. And, of course, answer your mailbag questions. Let's do it. As always, I'll start with the biggest news story coming out of Las Vegas, and that is the Derek Carr era is officially over for the Raiders. After meeting with the New Orleans Saints last week, Carr told the Raiders that he will not sign off on a trade to the Saints or any other team and would like to be released. A couple of days later, the organization fulfilled his request, and Carr is now a free agent and eligible to sign with any team, allowing him to get a jump on the open market while Las Vegas gets nothing except for extra cap space in return. The Raiders will take on about $5 million in dead cap by cutting the quarterback and lead the league in dead money with about $29.5 million, but they also freed up a little more than $29 million and headed into the offseason with the third most cap space in the league at about $48.5 million per overthecap.com. Time will tell if that money will go to the team's next quarterback or to fixing the defense or a combination of both, but general manager Dave Ziegler will certainly have plenty of resources to retool the roster. As for Carr... ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that the quarterback is expected to draw interest from the Carolina Panthers and, not so coincidentally, the Saints, who are not out of the car sweepstakes despite him not expecting a trade to New Orleans. Head coach Josh McDaniels and Ziegler released a joint statement after Carr was officially released, which read, We have a lot of respect for Derek Carr and what he's meant to the Raiders organization for the last nine years. Derek has done great things in this league and we're thankful to have been able to work with him this past year. He is a true professional, and we appreciate his hard work in striving to produce the results we all desire. We wish Derek and his family all the best in the future. To reiterate what McDaniels and Ziegler's last statement was, best of luck to you, Derek. It was a pleasure to watch you play over the last decade. Once a Raider, always a Raider. So, now that the car era is officially over, it's time to turn our attention to who the Raiders' next quarterback might be, and a popular name tossed around is former Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud, who hinted that he's interested in playing with Devontae Adams. Stroud was recently interviewed by the boardroom and was asked what NFL wide receiver he would love to team up with, and he responded, This almost got me in trouble earlier. I don't want to stir up the pot. So, retired receivers, I'm going Chad Ochocinco. Routes. If you know anything about who Ochocinco loves, that'll give you your answer. So, if you watch Ochocinco, who is his favorite route runner in the league, that's who I'd like to throw to. Following the breadcrumbs that Stroud has dropped, Ocho Cinco has posted about Adams' route running skills multiple times on social media. When Adams was in Green Bay, Ocho Cinco posted a video of himself crying after watching practice film of Adams dicing up DBs. In the summer, the legendary wideout was moved to tears again after watching more practice film of Adams cooking corners with his route running skills. So, it seems like Stroud wants to play with the best receiver in the game, and it's hard to blame him, but the Raiders will likely have to trade up to make this combination happen, as it's pretty unlikely that Stroud will makes it past the fourth overall pick. You'll hear me say this a bunch this time of year, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Continuing with the quarterback theme, running back Josh Jacobs was asked on SiriusXM's NFL show about who he would like to see under center for the Silver and Black next season, and Jacobs replied, With my contract coming up, 
that definitely plays a big part in what I want to do. But man, I love the thought of Aaron Rodgers. You know, just to see a guy that's that elite, to be able to see how he moves on a day-to-day basis and be able to pick his brain, it's something that I would really enjoy. Jacobs went on to reiterate what we talked about last week, that who the team brings in around him will make an impact on his decision in free agency, but he also mentioned how he wants to walk in Kobe Bryant's footsteps and play for just one team. So, that's two big-name Raiders who have vouched for Rodgers to come to Vegas, as Adams has been vocal about reuniting with his former quarterback as well. But, the Raiders are expected to have some competition for the four-time MVP, as the New York Jets, who hired Rodgers' old offense coordinator Nathaniel Hackett earlier this offseason, have inquired about potential, a potential trade, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. The Raiders also made a coaching hire this week, bringing on Matt Lombardi as an offensive assistant slash wide, assistant wide receivers coach per Tom Pelissero of the NFL media. Lombardi has spent the last three seasons with the Carolina Panthers as an assistant quarterbacks coach and has also been a quality control coach for the Miami Dolphins, as well as spending time at Baylor and Louisville in the college ranks. Matt's older brother, Mick, currently is the Raiders' offensive coordinator, and their father, Michael, was the Raiders' senior personnel executive from 1998 to 2007, so the Lombardis certainly have some strong ties to the organization. In other Raiders coaching news, Pelissero also reported that the Chargers have interviewed Raiders offensive assistant Fred Walker for their quarterback's coach job. Also, NFL Media's Ian Rappaport tweeted that the Jets are hiring former Raiders and Titans offensive coordinator Todd Downing as their new passing game coordinator, joining the aforementioned Hackett on New York staff. The reason why I bring that up is Downing and Carr were close friends during their time together in Oakland, so the Jets can now have connections on their coaching staff to two notable quarterbacks who could be available this offseason in Carr and Rodgers. All right, here we go. Mailbag time. As your weekly reminder, if you'd like to have your questions answered on a future show, either tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First question, why should the Raiders go after Rodgers if it's clear that they need it to swing on a rookie that can be a superstar if they want to beat Kansas City and Mahomes? Also, why is Carr so petty? So, I will say for the Rodgers thing, I'm definitely not in, I definitely don't want the Raiders to trade for, for Rodgers and give up what's likely going to be a first-round pick, maybe multiple first-round picks, um, especially if it's going to be seventh overall. If it's next year's, you can maybe convince me on that because obviously if the Raiders are good with Rodgers, that's going to be a, a late first anyway. So I'm not very keen, and I think I've said it on here, that on trading for a quarterback that literally every offseason you have to um, worry about if he's going to retire, worry about what the darkness says to him in the offseason and all that bullshit that he that he puts up with and let's be honest Rodgers has been nothing but a giant attention whore for the last couple of years maybe even longer than that so I won't I'm not up for trading assets for a guy that one is a headache and two gonna be a big cap hit anyway to get that off my chest I guess a little bit but to play a little bit of devil's advocate I think the reason why you would go for after him is while yes getting a rookie contract that or getting a quarterback on a rookie contract is extremely valuable. That's also a big swing. There's also a big chance of swinging and missing and not getting that guy. And then you have Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, all these guys in their prime that you're wasting because you just, you can't figure out what's going on at quarterback. You can't figure out the most important position on the field. So that's why I think the, the logic is coming for trading for Aaron Rodgers. But again, 
I'm not exactly thrilled about the idea of giving him a bunch of assets for a guy that's old, almost 40, and two is a giant headache. So to play devil's advocate a little bit, it's just the the fear of swinging, missing, and wasting the roster, but the rest of the roster, the rest of the dudes who are in their prime right now. But um, again, don't know if that necessarily is the uh, the magic wand that fixed the, all of the Raiders' issues, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm with you on that one a little bit. As far as Carr, I mean, look at it this way. Raiders made a business decision that wasn't in his best interest. I feel like Carr can do the same thing for him if he wants to make a decision that he feels his best. He wants to hit the open market and see what uh, options he can have. I guess whatever happened with the Saints, it didn't go terribly because they're still in the running, but just didn't quite like their plan if that included a trade. So he made the biggest decision, the business decision that uh, he felt was best for him. If you're gonna, if we're gonna hold that, or we're gonna use that logic to justify the Raiders making the decision, I feel like you gotta respect it from Carr too. So we, uh, like I said at the beginning, we'll see what happens. Second question, what type of adjustments do you see McDaniels trying to make based on the coaching hires? Well, the first hire I believe this person is talking about is probably North Turner coming in as the passing game uh, coordinator. And then the second one would be the new um, assistant wide receivers coach, Matt Lombardi, coming in. It would be the second. Uh, I'll get this out of the way with uh, Lombardi. If you're coming in as the assistant wide receivers coach, you are to be seen and not heard. (laughs) <laughs> so he's not going to make much of an impact. To be honest with you, his levels have been so low. Other places, I couldn't tell you what adjustments he'd be able to bring or he, what he'd be able to bring. He's honestly probably in more of a learning phase at this stage in his career anyway. And then as far as Turner goes, um, I think with Scott Turner, I don't know a ton about his offense, and I don't want to step on anyone's toes here because my guy Mark John did a great breakdown over on Tape Don't Lie. So if you're looking for what he could bring, i definitely go check out uh, their YouTube channel and see the video that Mark's put up there. Did a great little breakdown that he can explain a hell of a lot better than I can. So, excuse me there. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm terribly equipped to answer that question. I don't know a ton about the uh, Washington's offense over the last few years. Um, I do know they've been bad, which isn't great. But, yeah, head on over to Tape Don't Lie. Check out Marcus's video if you want to find out what uh, Scott Turner, because he did an awesome breakdown on that. Like I said, he'll explain it a lot better than I could. Next up, is there anything you can glean from the Raiders' 2022 draft class that might shed some light on the front office philosophy heading into April? Teams like the Ravens tend to select BPA over over position need versus Gruden last Mayock. Seemed like the opposite, especially in rounds one and two, LOL. Yes, the Grucock rounds one and two picks we are still paying for. Um, I think one thing that you can glean on from last year's draft is that the that McDaniels and Ziegler are definitely closer to taking the best player available versus taking position in need. I think probably the best example of that is look how they handled the right tackle situation. I mean, they didn't add a right tackle until the seventh round of the draft, and that was widely considered the Raiders' biggest need. Now, granted, I'm sure part of them was thinking Alex Leatherwood was going to work out. But to my to my point that I'm making here is they're not a team that's going to go out and rich, reach. They do that in free agency, too. They're not going to overspend in free agency just because it's a need. They will kind of go with the best player available or at least, you know, they're not going to they're not going to reach for a need is kind of what I'm saying, which I kind of appreciate. Don't let the don't force something. Let the draft board kind of come to you and play it out. I mean, 
They traded their first two picks, obviously, last year. Ended up trading back when they're on their third-round pick to get um, to get their guy in Dylan Parham. So I think that's one thing that you kind of can take with some optimism is the Raiders, or at least with the McDaniels and Ziegler, they're probably going to lean closer to that Ravens and best player available um, strategy than they are with what Gruen Mayock did, which was address the need and reach for whatever first-round pick to try and reinvent the wheel. So... That's, I think, the one positive light you can take from the uh, from the McZeeks era that uh, I know is looking pretty dark is I think they are going to attack free agency and attack the offseason as a whole, which includes the draft, as more of a, a best player available. We're not going to overextend our resources. The, the counterpart of that is then you can get some – then you can have situations like we were looking at heading into this season where we're very concerned about the right, Raiders' right tackle situation – where things can blow up in your face and those needs can become an issue. But I do think they are much better at letting the draft board come to them instead of trying to force things, which I think is uh, something that we can be, or an encouraging sign based on the uh, previous regime. Number four, does Bryce Young slide in the draft due to his size? And would would you think he's the pick at seven if he comes in at, say, 5'10 and 180 pounds? So I do think there is a world where Bryce Young slides because of his size and potentially is even there at seven. The problem is, I don't think the Raiders stop the slide. What I was just talking about with McDaniels and Ziegler, one thing that those two have had a kind of a common theme, maybe this had more to do with Belichick there too, we'll find out this year in the draft class if Young does end up sliding, but one thing that was pretty consistent in New England with McDaniels and Ziegler were there, is they go after quarterbacks that fit a profile, and it's not sub 6 feet and sub 200 pounds. It's more like 6'2", 215, 220 pounds, so closer to what C.J. Stroud is size-wise. So I guess when the point I'm making here is, yes, I think Bryce Young could slide on draft day, um, potentially more than a lot of people in the media like myself think, but I don't know if the Raiders stop that slide because, again, I feel like they're going to have the same concerns with his size as everyone else will. Now, that's not to say that I don't like Bryce Young. I like Bryce Young as a player, and I think he can be a good quarterback, but it is a little bit of a risk when you – Start thinking the of the uh, relying on outliers, especially in the first round. I talked about that last week with uh, Elijah Cansey. Kind of the same thing with Bryce Young. Yes, you can take Bryce Young, and yes, you can watch all of his hi- highlight tapes and see how great he is. But at the end of the day, you're spending a first-round pick and a top-ten pick at that on a guy that you're hoping is just so unique based on what you've what you've seen in the past. So that's kind of the problem. To to recap my answer a little bit here. Yes, I can see Bryce Young sliding. No, I don't know if I don't think the Raiders end that slide. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Question five. Loaded question. Uh Uh-oh. What is your thought on the quarterbacks in this draft? When does the drop-off start? How many should the Raiders draft? And who could you see them taking? So one of the things that I think is really nice for the Raiders this year is obviously they need cornerbacks. And to answer your last question, I would say at least two, probably three, to even get some depth. Um, And I'm talking like two, like, premium like top 100 picks probably even if they if they can swing it or at least two in the first four rounds um 
But the cornerback class is extremely deep this year and pretty freaking good. Probably one of the best uh, position groups in this draft class. And I mean, just looking at, you know, PFF's board, um, you know, they've got uh, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois as number six, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon at number 10. Both those guys, I think, are in play at seven. A little bit, I guess, of a drop-off to Joey Porter at 21, but then Deontay Banks at 23, Tyreek Stevenson, 39 overall, Emmanuel Forbes, 42, and it kind of keeps going like that. So I actually like this cornerback class pretty well, and I think the Raiders, depending on how they want to approach the draft, they could probably even hold off on a first-round corner and get a good guy in the second round. Like This is a pretty consistent and pretty deep class when it comes to corner, and I think you'll hear a lot of different people say that, that this is one of their the deepest positions and one of the, the the years I guess the where it's good to be looking for a cornerback in the draft. So I think it's fared pretty well with how the the draft class is shaking out for the Raiders. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely look for Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez. Big fan of Joey Porter too. So definitely those are the the top three names that I would kind of look take and keep an eye out for. But yeah, Raiders probably should draft two. And the good news is deep class with uh, without a huge drop-off anywhere, so should be a fun class. Next up, say the Raiders trade for Rodgers, assuming it would take a first. Would you draft someone like Hendon Hooker or a different quarterback as a backup to try and re-sign Stidham? Or, I see, never mind, I screwed that question up. Or a different QB as a backup or try and re-sign Stidham? I know you're probably deep in the draft research mode. Anyone you haven't mentioned that stood out? So if the Raiders do end up trading for Rodgers, and I agree with you, I think it'll take at least one first. I actually wouldn't hate drafting Hendon Hooker because I feel like that'd be a good situation for him where he's a decent quarterback, played well this past year. I get a little weary of the older one-year wonders like him, but a guy that, again, played really well this year and I think did a lot of really good things to make himself draftable. And now that he's coming off that torn ACL um, that happened late in the year, having Rodgers in there in place would you know give him obviously time to fully make a full recovery before having to rush back onto the field as well as pick up McDaniel's complicated offense so I actually don't hate that scenario uh, as far as re-signing Stidham I mean I don't mind re-signing Stidham but I feel like if you're Stidham you probably want to try and at least give a chance to start somewhere whereas with Rodgers I mean obviously you're not superseding Rodgers and I mean, he's kind of proven what he can, everything he can to Josh McDaniels at this point. He's played for him, I think, literally every year of his career so far. So I don't know if Stidham would really necessarily be down for that. Maybe he'd come back as a backup, but I don't know if you're going to really be able to sell to him, hey, just sit and wait behind this guy after sitting and wait behind another guy. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't hate drafting uh, Hendon Hooker in that situation. Um, as far as other quarterbacks that have stood out, uh, I'm a little behind on my quarterback research at this point, honestly, but you know, my guy, I think I've said it on here, is, is, is Jake Hayner that I'm a big fan of, a guy that isn't going to meet a lot of size requirements, like I was just talking about with those 6'2", 220 quarterbacks that uh, McDaniels and Ziegler's like, that's not exactly, uh, that's not, or Hayner's not going to fit that strategy, uh, philosophy at like, I think he's like six feet, something like that, but it's a guy that I did watch quite a bit of Fresno State games this past year, and Liked him a lot. I think he added a lot of zip on his ball. Um, it was pretty accurate. So that's kind of my guy right now. Um, the other one that I kind of like, right, that other guy that I kind of like that's a, a later round guy that I think could be an interesting uh, project would be Dorian Thompson-Robinson out of uh, out of UCLA. Probably, more, again, probably more of a seventh round or a undrafted free agent. Super athletic, can do a, do a bunch of things for you. 
But yeah, other than that, I can't say I, I know too much about the quarterbacks except for watching some film on the Senior Bowl, which was pretty ugly for guys like Clayton Toon and Jaron Hall. So it's uh, going to be an interesting class this year. Question seven, Ziegler question. His free agent class in New England prior to Las Vegas was lauded at the time, but haven't been met with or but have been met with heavy criticism in retrospect. Pairing that with his first free agent class in Las Vegas, what are your expectations with around forty-eight to fifty million dollars of cap space? So, with his free agent classes in New England, I think part of it was they very clearly were going over the value, going for value plays. Like you go back and look at it, other than the tight ends and John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, and I guess they did pay Nelson Aguilar too. They didn't spend a ton of money, and they kind of just went for the value free agents, which is kind of the Patriot way to you know draft your superstars and then fill in the fill in the blanks with with decent value veterans and all that stuff. But I think what I'm kind of expecting from from Ziegler in this free agent class is to land one at least one big ticket defensive player. You know, I think. Obviously, you tried to do that with Chandler Jones, and it hasn't quite worked out yet. But I feel like that's a that's a rational expectation of him, just given the the resources that he's going to be able to have, and obviously the Raiders' need for playmakers at every position. So I think that's one thing that I'm definitely going to expect to see from him is bringing in one big name defensive guy. Guy, uh, what position that is? Anyone? Any of them? <laughs> just take anybody that can that can do it. But yeah, it's it's definitely a, his free agent class, especially with how last year's played out, um, with Bilal Nichols not working quite working out, Chandler Jones failing to meet expectations, isn't great. But again, I feel like if he can land at least another big name uh, defensive guy, then uh, I feel I'll feel pretty confident heading into the season. But yeah, it's uh, be an interesting scenario. Again, I don't think they'll overspend, which I don't think they did last year. Um, maybe you can argue in retrospect that. Chandler Jones is an overspend, but I think for the most part, anyone would have told you that was a decent deal last year. So I feel like that's kind of one, uh, the reasonable expectation is they're not going to overspend, but I do think they do need, do need to go after and bring in one big-name defensive guy. Question, I don't know, I lost count. How should the Raiders address their interior O-line? Would it be wise to sign a proven veteran in free agency and to draft a guard or center in the middle rounds? Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. I'm all about bringing in at least one guy in free agency, hopefully on a cheaper deal, and then drafting a guy in the middle rounds in the, in the interior offensive line. Um, I just think that's such a big need for the Raiders. I was I was high on uh, Andre James heading into the season, and he just didn't progress like I like liked him to. I think he honestly kind of regressed this year and had honestly a few mental mistakes in pass protection that were getting frustrating to me for a guy that's you know, obviously getting more experience and you'd hope be getting better at that. So I'm all for drafting and bringing in a veteran uh, interior offensive lineman. And I think the nice thing is too, is if the Raiders want to move Dylan Parham to center, they can, uh, you know, draft two guards or whatever. The, the, the draft board is more option is more open, I should say. Um, but yeah, a couple guys in free agency that I kind of like uh, the two that stood out to me the most were Ben powers from the, uh, from the uh, Ravens. Um, definitely a nasty run blocker in the past and a guy that I think could be a, a good um, good fit for them on the inside. Going to be a little bit more expensive on the open market. And then Dalton Reisner is a guy I've actually had a crush on for a while since he came out of the, uh, out of the draft out of Kansas State. Um, another guy that 
wouldn't think would be terribly expensive, but could be, uh, could be a good get for them in free agency. Guy that I think is pretty athletic for his size, moves pretty well, pretty good in pass protection. The only thing is I don't know how great of a scheme fit he would be if McDaniels wants to run more more of a gap off or a gap running game. Reiser's always kind of been a little bit more of a zone blocker in that regard, whereas Powers is a little bit more gap heavy. So yeah, those are the two guys that I would like to see them, you know, take a stab at in free agency. And then drafting a guy like a, a John Michael Schmitz from um, Minnesota. He was a guy that really caught my eye at the at the Senior Bowl, and I was uh, well regarded in the draft community. So yeah, those would be the the strategy I would go with. I think you can definitely bring in a veteran and then draft the guy. Worst case, you get a project of the guy that you draft. So yeah, I'm all on board in, in throwing uh, as many darts as they can at the interior of the offensive line this year. All right, last question here. If Mac Hollins moves on, which free agent wide receivers would be a good complimentary piece to Adams and Renfro? So this year's free agent class is, is filled with slot receivers, which obviously Renfro kind of fills that role already. The top guy is Jacoby Myers, who I think a lot of people are going to want to to send to Las Vegas given his connection with Josh McDaniels. He's also going to command probably the most money out of any free agent wide receiver on the market this year. And again, operates more out of the slot. And I don't know if he necessarily fills the role that Matt Collins played in the red zone as that, that bigger wide receiver type of target. Um, and again, you know, most of the guys that are available are slot types. The guy that I'm intrigued by that I've liked for a few years now who I would love to see the Raiders go after is DJ Chark. He's a guy that is 6'4", so he can go up and get the go up and get 50-50 balls, and he also has speed to, to burn down the field. I like Chark for a while. I was kind of surprised the Jags let him go. The problem is he just can't stay healthy. I think the last two years he's spent like more – he's missed more games than he's played in, maybe in the last three years, something like that. But um, obviously if you, you pay a guy, you're going to want to hope that he can stay on the field, which, again, you're not exactly confident that uh, that he'll be able to do that. The rest of the free agent market isn't great, in my opinion. The one guy that is under the radar that I could like to maybe fill Mac Hollins' role is Zach Pascal, who signed with the Eagles this offseason, played with the Colts before that. He's another guy that's a little bit bigger body and can win those more 50-50 balls and be the red zone threat. And again, since he's more under the radar, he'll be cheaper and probably close to the price point that they got or that they were able to bring Mac Hollins in at this year. So he's a guy that I'd really like. I've watched him for a few years and was a big fan of his game um, out with the Colts. The past year didn't get much playing time. They brought him in before trading for A.J. Brown, so his role with the Eagles got diminished pretty quickly out there. And obviously they have a good amount of receivers, including tight end, a good tight end, Dallas Godert. So, yeah, he'd probably be the one guy that maybe you don't know about that you might want to take a look at, into is uh, Zach Pascal from uh, from the Eagles and from the uh, from the Colts in the past. He's kind of my under-the-radar guy that I think could be a, a good, a quality, you know, fourth option since obviously we're assuming Darren Waller is still going to be around too. All right, guys, that'll do it for this week's episode. As always, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.